Chapter 26 Bailey was a tough man, but he had a hard time of it. Stunned after leaving Eric's room, he crept along the hallway to the staircase, hoping no one would happen by. Clumsily, and with effort, he lowered his tiny body down one immense step after another, finally arriving at the front entryway, there cowering in a corner behind a caretaker's mop. It was nighttime and freezing outside. He waited for someone to open the gigantic door, but when it happened, he didn't move, not daring to go out, not knowing what fate might await him. Lingering and crushed, he tried to collect his addled thoughts. Several others opened the door, and it closed heavily behind them. Eventually, no one came. Dazed and distressed, he thought about staying in the building indefinitely, and passed the first night of his new existence behind the mop. When morning came, he was frightened, but decided he had no choice. It was still dark outside when a newspaper carrier opened the door, and Bailey hurried into freezing February air. And then his problems began. It was early, and few people were out, but as the day wore on, dealing with the dangers he met took all his while and courage. He avoided cars and people, and fended off cats, dogs, and rats with sharp sticks and safety pins. He had his pistol, but limited ammunition, and he questioned whether his miniature gun would have any effect against creatures like these. That night, he found shelter in an abandoned doghouse, and was glad he'd put on his winter overcoat, gloves, and boots before leaving to find Eric. After three exhausting days, he made it to the city's outskirts and into the surrounding woods. There, he was occupied constantly, defending himself or searching for food, competing with squirrels, chipmunks, birds, and other forest creatures. He had little time to consider what had happened back in Eric's room, but when he did, he was perplexed and furious. I'm little, minuscule, the vaunted sea captain, catcher of all fish. Look at me now, I'm a shrimp. Desperate for help, he thought of Jack. But my nephew went back to Takitna. How could I get there? What could he do for me? He chuckled darkly. Probably what I did with the Sprite. Profit by me. Alone, depressed, and bitter as the gloomy, frigid days of winter passed, he often thought about exacting revenge from Tim and Eric. As if he could at his size. And, of course, from the Kieran he thought of as the Yellow Magician. Bailey had no idea where Tim was, and no intention of re-entering Anchorage to trouble Eric, for fear of being captured and exploited. That left the Yellow Magician. He didn't even know his name, and he concentrated on him for another reason as well. Frequently examining himself from head to toe, and measuring himself against surrounding objects, he hoped he was growing. But he wasn't. Despising his smallness, he didn't forget it was reversible and vowed to track down the Yellow Magician to make him reverse it. It was his only hope, and he clung to it. Jack told me, he recalled, that Eric met Till by a stream before bringing him home. Did Jack go there too? Does he know where it was? Could that lead me to the Yellow Magician? But he was grasping at straws, and he knew it. One afternoon, digging for anything edible at the foot of a tree, Something happened exactly as Speckerin had predicted it might. 
In the murky atmosphere, several eerie figures appeared, Bailey's size, standing motionless, as if a tempting and intangible illusion. He blinked, and they were gone. Staggering forward, he found nothing. Mystified, he went back to his chilly pursuit, trying not to think about who or what they had been, if anything. Having enough trouble without apparitions, he glanced up frequently, keeping a wary eye out for them. And there they were again, this time closer, four in number, garbed in furs and skins, eyes and noses showing, breath steaming from their nostrils. One approached. It had long feet wrapped against the cold. Remembering the yellow magician's feet, Bailey realized it was a Kirin. The yellow magician had been right on two counts. He had come across Kirins, and they were visible to him. He and the newcomer stared at each other. Where do you come from? asked Bailey. No answer. The Kirin turned and rejoined his three companions, and all shuffled away through the snow. Looking back, one beckoned. They must live nearby, thought Bailey. Somewhere warm. They must have food. And it didn't take him long to decide what to do. He followed them. Leading him along snowy trails and up and down frigid knolls, they eventually passed through an opening at the base of a hoary stump. Before following them in, Bailey gazed at the entrance. Had he been searching for one, he'd never have seen it. He trailed them along a dim corridor until they stopped before an arched entrance with large double doors on the left side of the passageway. One of them pushed the doors open, light streaming from inside. Another motioned him to enter. He did, and they trailed him into a chamber lit by flames on the walls, the only furnishings, a small table and two chairs. Two of them sat down on the floor, eyes trained on him. The other two departed, turning left down the corridor and returning soon with a small, smiling, white-haired Kieran in a dark gown. He carried a black satchel, and about his neck was a silver chain. From it hung a silver pendant comprising a circle and three arrows. Bailey had no notion what it signified. The four who had led him there bowed to the new one, then turned and departed, closing the large doors behind them. The white-haired one, left alone with the miniature human, looked Bailey up and down with obvious enjoyment. He held the pendant out toward his visitor. It's the insignia of the Guardian Magician, leader of Kirin Magic, he said in perfect English. He released the pendant and removed a triangular object from his bag. Silver also, it glowed with a shimmering blue-yellow aura. This device translates for us. I'm Ildur, a magician. A magician, thought Bailey. Perhaps he'll reverse me. I'm Bailey, a sea captain. Suddenly, he was frightened. In all his adult life, he had seldom been frightened. He was the one who frightened others. At sea, he was fearless. But this was so unfamiliar that, plain and simply, he was scared. You're a human, said Ildur. Like none we've ever seen. Why are you our size? Taking off his captain's hat, Bailey cleared his dry throat. <clears throat> it's a long story. Tell me, said Ildur, pulling a chair away from the table. I've nothing but time. Please, sit. 
Bailey did, as did the magician. The two faced each other, Ildur staring and smiling. How did you come to be our size? Actually, a wee bit smaller than us. Bailey hesitated. I was uh, made small by a Kieran magician. Why? Though Bailey was nervous, one thing was clear. His only hope of regaining stature was through Kieran's. I'll do anything necessary to make it happen. Lie, fight, coerce, even cooperate. What ensued was a dialogue as uncomfortable to Bailey as it was fascinating to his interrogator. The small human offering evasive answers to all questions about why he'd been transformed. Finally, Bailey decided to ask whether this magician would make him large, and he hadn't forgotten what the yellow magician said. For it to occur, he must change his attitude toward Kieran's, regret his actions, and prove both to the satisfaction of the Kieran's. I like you people, he said, forcing a smile. Being a magician, would you restore my size? All along, Ildur had known that Bailey had assaulted or abused a Kieran. It was the only reason a human would be this size. Having never seen it, he had learned of it in training, and hadn't a clue how to reverse it. No longer smiling, he slid the triangular object back into his satchel, stood up, and knocked twice on the door. The doors swung open. In marched the four fur-clad Kirins. The magician said something, and they grasped Bailey by both arms, thrust him through the doorway, and began ushering him down the corridor toward the outside world. We must talk, cried the small Bailey over his shoulder. I'm hungry! It's freezing out there! The magician didn't respond, and soon Bailey was out in the cold, abandoned near the hidden entrance. He was alone. Finding his way back to where he'd started from, he went on with his humble endeavors. At least now I know something, he thought. I can see Kirins and they can see me, just as I can see humans and they can see me. He chuckled darkly. What a rare fellow I am. Knowing now where the local Kirins lived, he was determined to approach them again, but didn't have to. They approached him. The following day, he became aware that he was being watched, and he was glad. One or more of the fur-clad Kirins always seemed to be nearby, slipping out of sight when he looked their way. Ahoy! he called several times. I must speak with your magician! They didn't reply. A few days later, to his relief, one of the Kirins did approach. Then, beckoning, he began to move away through the snow. Bailey followed him all the way back to the Kirins' residence and into the same bright room where he'd talked with Ildur. Several fur-clad Kirins were present and searched him from head to toe. Finding his knife and pistol, they examined them curiously, and one started out the door with them in hand. You can't take those, he protested. That's private property. They didn't appear to understand. When a grinning Ildur entered, the others left. Bailey complained to the magician who brought out his translating device. A precautionary measure, he said. When you depart, the items will be returned. Three more in long gowns joined them, bringing their own chairs with them, and all sat down to talk. We are the Stekinor clan, said one. We have extreme interest in you. 
They asked more questions about his size, and he gave more vague answers. Finally, giving him a tour of their dwelling, a cluster of warm, dimly lit chambers, they invited him to live there, by himself, in a room far from the others. I accept, gladly, he said, uneasy about the foreign surroundings, yet relieved to have food and shelter. But his main goal was unchanged, regaining normal size. Settling into a comfortable bed that night, he resolved, now that he was among Kirin's, that he'd find a way to do it, at any cost. Each morning thereafter, two Stekanors came to his room and ushered him to a small cavern where he met with Ildur and several elders and clan members. The magician's shimmering device provided language translation. They asked about his life and human society, but never mentioned his size. When he brought it up, they looked at him curiously, as if his remarks hadn't been translated. After each session, they escorted him back to his plain room. There he ate, slept, and was alone. When trying to explore the tunnels and caverns, he was led politely back to his room. Discouraged, he could only wait for the opportunity he desired. Even in the dead of winter, word of the small humans spread, and Bailey and the Stekanors became famous. Kirins of this region knew how to trek in winter, and before long they were coming in droves. Providing Bailey a snug suit so his size and shape would be apparent, the Stekanors put him on display. Come in bare feet, they suggested to his displeasure. We uh, enjoy seeing them. What am I, a freak? he wondered. To accommodate the crowds, the showings moved to a larger room with a platform at the center, evolving from inquiry and education to exhibition with a carnival-like atmosphere. Curious guests wearing vivid apparel in color and style. Circling him, they stared, especially at his feet, asking questions and poking inquisitive fingers into his stomach and back. The smiling, white-haired Ildur presided and thrived on the attention. Always an ordinary magician, this gave him prestige and a new lease on life. When visitors leave, he said one day, they have a tale to tell. We Stekanors are acclaimed. Every day, Bailey asked the visitors about regaining size and about the yellow magician. Answers never came. My questions, he thought, aren't getting through, aren't being translated. Ildur is deactivating his device whenever it's convenient. When he got back to his room, he removed the snug suit and put on his own clothing and boots. Alone in his bleak chamber, he'd fume. I'm an oddity, a sideshow curiosity trapped and going nowhere. Living outside might be better, trying to find the blasted yellow magician myself. One day, the two ushers appeared at his door. I'm not going, he said, motioning and shaking his head. Guests were already there. When he didn't appear, it caused a commotion. Ildur was upset. The next time Bailey was summoned... It wasn't by polite invitation. Six Stekanors escorted him bodily to and from the gathering place. Never a patient man, this, at last, was too much. He had no idea where his knife and pistol were. Nonetheless, that night he made a decision. I'm going out on my own, even without any weapons. The following day, hiding from the Stekanors, he stole a set of their warm winter garments and put them on over his clothing. 
Then he hurried through the tunnel and out into wintry air. Suspecting they'd follow, he wasted no time in departure. Aggravated by his disappearance, especially when new visitors had nothing to see, Ildur dispatched a search party, but they found no trace of the human. It's bad out there, one told Ildur. Blowing and drifting snow. Our footprints were covered quickly. The magician sent messages to neighboring clans seeking information on Bailey's whereabouts. For the next two days, eager guests appeared anyway, coming from some distance away, having not heard he was gone. But the day after that, he returned and went straight to Ildur. Cold, he said, teeth chattering, his black beard frozen with ice. Never been so cold in my life. Sorry to have left. Glad to be back. Better a curiosity in a warm dwelling, he thought, once in his room, than a shrimp suffering a freezing Alaskan winter. The exhibitions commenced anew, and crowds flocked to see him. Afterwards, lying alone in his dull room, he'd ruminate on life, especially his own, thinking of his empty childhood, the mother who left him, the blue loon saloon, his boat vanity, and Till. He'd chuckle darkly to himself. <laughs> I, once the famous fisherman, am now barely a fish. As the winter passed, he checked his size regularly, but didn't grow a bit. Ildur gave him more freedom to explore the residence, but indulging the Stekanors and their stream of visitors and making no progress toward his goal, he was disgruntled indeed. When it's warmer outside, I'm leaving, he told Ildur. Thank you for your hospitality. I won't try to dissuade you, said the magician. You're a free uh, man. One spring day, it was time. Bailey put on his captain's hat and went to Ildur, who gave him back his weapons. Then, glancing over his shoulder, he marched down the tunnel. No one was following. As he stepped through the opening to the outside world, he took a deep breath. It was a bright, sunny day. Spring was in the air. Looking expectantly down a budding path, he departed. For several days he explored the woods, eating off the land and sleeping where he found shelter. Discovering a tree that was leaning and easy to climb, he adopted a tree hole and found it a comfortable den. One evening, nestled away in the cavity, he chuckled. <laughs> the second Kieran I nabbed said he was a tree dweller. Ten to one, they use tree holes. I'm now a sprite. What better place for me? <laughs> but man, I could use a good cigar. One day, ferreting for food, he heard something familiar. Human voices, then sounds of humans tramping through the woods. He hid immediately behind the nearest tree. As he peered out, Approaching were a gray-haired man and woman wearing raincoats and boots and carrying canvas bags. Should be around here, said the man in an even voice. Perfect conditions for moral mushrooms. And it'd be a long walk back to the car, said the woman in a gravelly voice, with empty bags. A leprechaun, said a voice from behind Bailey. He turned quickly. Towering over him was a boy wearing jeans, a dark jacket, and a red baseball cap. Look what I found, Grandpa! A leprechaun! 